How about them apples, huh? Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And I'm sure, just like all of you, very pleased to be here on a Monday and in a world in which the Texans have a one-game winning streak over the New England Patriots. 28-22, to the Texans get the win at home. The only other time the Texans have beaten the Patriots was 10 years ago. There was not a Texan in the stadium. Actually, I shouldn't say that. There was a Texan in the stadium. He was just a Patriot that time. Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator in 2009 for the Patriots. When the Patriots ended up getting beat by the Texans that day, he is the head coach for the Texans last night to get a win over Tom Brady and the Patriots. And it was a long time coming. Obviously, everybody knows that. Anybody, I mean, the the one player, the earliest that any of these players got a locker room was John Weeks in 2010. They've all experienced losses to the Patriots. Some gut punch, grueling losses. Some just, I mean, down to the last final second. Some just not even in the game from the beginning. But last night, after sort of a little rocky start, Hit the boosters about late first quarter, through halftime, and through the third quarter, and it was on. The Texans get a 28-22 to win, and it was a fascinating night. There were some, there were some Patriots fans in the stands. And I, I did our Texans Unlimited show at DP City, and we were on the Patriots sideline, and we shoot it. And we shoot it that way so we can video the players warming up. And so we put our camera on that sideline shooting out. And so we were over there, and as I was about to go on, Tom Brady came out for pregame, and he runs out of that southeast tunnel, and they're coming down the field, and as he comes down the field, I hear what it sounds like a woman's voice, and it's almost like she's hyperventilating. Like she cannot comprehend the fact that Tom Brady is in the same region that she's in. She's just losing her mind, and – the Patriots fans are going crazy. And I look around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of Patriots fans here. And Mark noted it on Texas Monday this morning when he talked about the the fact that Patriots fans, it's hard to get a ticket up at Gillette. And they travel pretty well. They've become a national brand. And I mean, you win, you become a national brand. Gold State Warriors, national brand. Anybody give a rat's you-know-what about Golden State before it started winning? No, not really. But then you got Steph Curry, Clay. Uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you get all that. Then you win championships. You become a national brand. You get Golden State Warrior fans all over the place. When did you become a Warriors fan? I don't know, like 2015? Well, yeah. When did you become a Patriots fan? Oh, I don't know, like 2001? I mean, you win, you get, and they had a ton of fans there. A ton. And so I was a little worried about that, but the Texans jumped up on them in that late first quarter on into second quarter, and it really just kind of nullified those fans. The only time that they kind of jumped up, started getting cocky about things, was when the Will Fuller touchdown was overturned. Very next play, bing, bang, stills, touchdown, boom. That, that to me, was the play where it was like, yeah, hell yeah, sit down. I just, that, I don't know, that just felt really, that felt really good. And I'm sure it felt good for Kenny Stills. He's been a thorn in the side of the Patriots, man. Eight for 135 the last time he was with Miami. The last night he has the big touchdown. Boy, big night. We'll break it all down through today. 
with Andre Ware, with John McClain. We'll break it down tomorrow with my Texas replay show. And then my time replay is over. It's on the Broncos, baby. On to Denver. But we got to talk a little bit more about this one, and we will. And as we said, we'll talk with John McClain. We'll talk with Andre Ware. But we got to have our hot reads, and hot reads are brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And we start a show on Monday like this going around the NFL. And I like to take a look at what happened with the league. If you didn't get a chance to see all these games and point out some of the things, some of the teams that Texas might play, some of the things happening. And there were three games on Thanksgiving. You all know that. And we talked about that a little bit on Friday. The Bears beat the Lions in a close game. Bills beat the Cowboys. Saints beat the Falcons. They're all very watchable games and all intriguing for different reasons. Bears-Lions was close all the way throughout. Saints with Drew Brees and the Falcons making comebacks. The Bills-Cowboys was the biggest margin, but it was just kind of it was it was weird to sit there and watch that game. Going, oh my God, the Bills are really kicking their tail. What is going on? I didn't think this was going to happen, and it did. Twenty-six to fifteen. Now, what happened on Sunday? Well, let's start in Baltimore, where the nine and two Ravens took on the ten and one 49ers in a driving rainstorm. Driving. And that rain was a result or that rain was the reason why these two teams combined for two hundred and seventy passing yards. Really couldn't get anything going in the passing game. George Kittle sort of shut down because of that, only two catches for seventeen yards. But for the 49ers, Raheem Mostart ran for 146 yards and 19 carries in a touch, but it wasn't enough because Lamar Jackson did Lamar Jackson things. He only threw for 105, but he ran for 101 and a touchdown. He picked up a huge third-down conversion to keep a drive going at the end of the ball game, which allowed Justin Tucker on the final play of the game to knock it home from 49 yards out. Ravens win. And combined with the Ravens' win to make them 10-2 and and their win over the Patriots earlier this year, the AFC number one seed today is the Baltimore Ravens. Help from the Texans last night. The Patriots are 10-2. and The Ravens are 10-2. and The Patriots do not have the tiebreaker. That is owned by Baltimore at this point. So, in the AFC, number one, Ravens. Number two, Patriots. Number three, Texans. Can the Texans get to one of those two spots? It's possible. Possible. But it would entail the Patriots losing twice at home. Is that possible? Possible. Chiefs this week. Bills in two weeks. So, it's possible. That's what you got to hope for to end up getting a bye. Uh, the Bills are a good football team, so they'll they'll take the Patriots all the way through those 60 minutes. But we'll see how the Patriots respond this week because Pat Mahomes and a pretty healthy Chiefs group coming to Gillette Stadium. Either way, Ravens win. Ravens win. The Chiefs, 40-9 to over the Raiders. And I don't even know if it was that close. This was a spanking. All the way through. Pat Mahomes, not even 50%. 15 to 29 for 175. One of the lower ratings he's had of 81.8. The story, the defense. Juan Thornhill, pick six. Tyron Matthew, interception. Sacked Derek Carr twice. They held the Raiders in check all day. It really wasn't a 
a huge offensive game for the Chiefs. Only ran for 96, but they were able to make plays when they needed to and kept the Raiders from doing much anything. Those two interceptions, a huge part of the story. Chiefs spank Raiders. Maybe the Chiefs have found a defense. Chiefs are number four in the AFC at this particular moment. In the NFC, Redskins played the Panthers. This was all about the Redskins running game. Darius Geis, 10 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. AD, Adrian Peterson, all day. 13 attempts, 99 yards in a touch. They ran 30 times for 248 yards and three touchdowns. Redskins win. They are still mathematically alive for the NFC East at 3-9. and nine. I'm going to pause and let you take that in for a second. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it, they're still in the mix. Good grief. The Jets had a three-game winning streak. They went to the Bengals. They now have a one-game losing streak because the Bengals have a one-game winning streak. I'm happy for Zach Taylor. I like to see young coaches get off the schneid, get that first win. And he made a really tough decision. He went back to Andy Dalton. And Dalton was very good. 22 of 37, 243 yards, only sacked once, one touchdown. Joe Mixon had a rushing touchdown. Dalton threw that passing touchdown to Tyler Boyd. Good win for the Bengals, but the star was Carlos Dunlop. Seven tackles, three sacks, three TFLs, six quarterback hits, and knocked out a pass. Carlos Dunlop, huge in a 22-6 win. The first for the Bengals in 2019. And, oh, by the way, they're still in the running. They're still number one, as in the number one spot for the number one draft pick. AFC South battle, Titans and Colts. Now, heading into this game, the Titans were 0-11 against Andrew Luck. 0-11. And they were 0-1 against Jacoby Brissett this year. Well, after yesterday's game, they're now 1-1 against Jacoby Brissett. Still 0-11 against Andrew Luck. But the Titans came up huge. 17-17 game, five minutes left to go. The Colts line up for a field goal, and it's blocked. Dan Krugshank jumps over the center, blocks it. Ty Smith picks it up. Titans go ahead, 20-17. They then stop the Colts, get the ball back. Ryan Tannehill finds Cleef Raymond. That gives him a two-touchdown lead. The Colts fumble away an opportunity late to cut it within a score. Titans win. Titans win. Derrick Henry, the star, 26 for 149 at a touch. Ryan Tannehill, although sacked six times through two touchdowns, including that one to Raymond that was big, Titans moved to 7-5 and five and into second place in the AFC South. Colts fall to 6-6 six and six in third place, and hopes are dimmer in Indianapolis as we are into December. The other AFC South team, the Jags, took on the Bucks. It did not go well for Nick Foles. He was sacked. He fumbled. He threw interceptions. It was a deplorable day for the Super Bowl MVP. Gardner Minshew came on, did better, not great, but did better, and he actually had the Jags within two touchdowns with the ball inside the Bucks five, but he threw a pick. Actually, it was dropped. Went through the hands of D.D. Westbrook. Sean Murphy bunting, picked it off. The Bucks would go down, run the clock out after another field goal, and win 28-11. to The Bucks, they're all over the place. Five and seven. They have the capability of beating anybody in the league and losing anybody in the league. They're unbelievable. One of the games of the day, the Dolphins and Eagles. 
one of the best trick plays I've ever seen that was not in a Houston Texans game. Matt Hack threw to Jason Sanders on a trick play that you've got to see it to believe it. I, don't, I can't even put it into words. You've you got to see it. It was 13-7. Looks like Dolphins are going to make it 13-10 with the field goal, and they faked it with the most beautiful fake you've ever seen. That gave them a 14-13 lead, and they would, in the second half, just go nuts. They dominated late in the third quarter, all the way through the fourth quarter, and hang on to win 37-31. Devontae Parker, wide receiver for the Dolphins, went nuts. Seven for 159 and two touchdowns. Just a little bit better now. Sean Jeffries, nine for 137 and a touch. Great day for the Dolphins to win again. And I know there's a lot of talk about tanking. The Dolphins are playing way better under Brian Flores. They've looked really good at times this year. Really good. Brian Flores is going to have that team playing really good football before too long. Give he and Chris Greer a couple of drafts, put some more talent in there, figure out the quarterback situation. Fitzy's gotten wins. We knew he would. There's a big one over the Eagles. Packers beat the Giants 31-13. Giants stink. Packers are good. Went about as expected. The Steelers took on the Browns in a revenge game. And the Steelers won 20-13. Duck Hodges. Yeah, he's a world champion duck caller, apparently. 14-21 for 212, a touch and a pick. Better than Baker Mayfield, 18-32 for 196, one touch and one pick. But Baker Mayfield sacked five times. Five times. While the Steelers only gave up one. Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree sack and a half, and a forced fumble. Javon Hargrave, a sack. Casey Hayward, half a sack. T.J. Watt, a sack. Cam Sutton, a sack. Everybody's got sacks of Baker Mayfield. Made that trade for OBJ. Just to put it in comparison, the Browns trade for OBJ. Didn't help their offensive line. Texas traded for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, and I make that deal every day and twice on Sunday. Steelers win 20-13. Can't protect him. Can't get production. Browns fall to 5-7. and seven. Playoff hopes are dim. The Rams beat the, uh, well, you know what, out of Kyler Murray. Rough day for the rookie. He'd been a pretty good role. Sacked six times. Picked once. 19-34 for 163. Everybody sacked him. Aaron Donald had a sack and a half. Clay Matthews had a sack. Everybody was getting after him. But Jared Goff, 32 of 43 for 424. And Robert Woods was his man. 13 for 172. Tyler Higby, the tight end, had seven catches for 107 and a touchdown. When he's healthy, he could be a game changer. Rams move to 7-5 and five and stay alive for a wild card. And in the nutty game of the day, the Chargers played the Broncos. This game was all over the place. But only the Chargers could find a way to lose a game like this. Cortland Sutton had two touchdowns from rookie Drew Locke starting his first NFL game. Locke, not tremendous, but good. 18-28 for 134, two touchdowns, did throw an interception. But after a Michael Badgley field goal tied it at 20 with 14 seconds left, Locke reared back and threw deep and got an interference call on Casey Hayward on Cortland Sutton. Brandon McManus came out at that point in the last play of the game, knocked it home from 53 yards out. Broncos win, coming into NRG Stadium, feeling pretty good about what the rookie Drew Locke was able to do, what the defense could able, was able to do against the Chargers. The Broncos now 4-8 and eight and same as the Chargers. And you remember last year, the Chargers, that hot team out in the West, and everybody said, oh, the Chargers are this. 
and thought that way coming into the year, well, it hasn't turned out that way. Chargers struggling at 4-8. and eight. And the Broncos at 4-8, and eight, but it feels a little different because the Broncos got that win. Broncos actually swept the Chargers this year. So there you go. There's your run around the NFL. When we get back, we'll talk to our buddy Andre Ware right here on Texans All Access. You know, today, albeit great night last night, this is one of the toughest days of the entire year for a certain section of people out there, and that's my teachers. This is a rough day. A lot of you had the full week off last week. Now you got to gear back up for another couple weeks before the holidays. This is a tough day for my teachers, but I can help you. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? That will help you. Then sign up for Toro's Matros, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Matros, a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. It's a Monday Texans all-access after a win over the New England Patriots. That has never happened. We have never done an all-access show after a Texans win over the Patriots. We didn't start it until 2012. The last win was over 2009. So this is historic. It's a historic day. And me, John Harris, I'm very happy to be with you to share it. And I got a chance to share it Sunday night with my two pals, Mark Vandermeer and Andre Warren. Dre joined us to talk all about it. Let's start on the other side of the ball. Tom Brady, what are you seeing from him at this stage of his career? And where do you think it goes from here? Nobody's getting any younger, including him and all of us, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think that uh, Brady's skill level has slipped in any, any stretch. I think it's just chemistry with receivers. He's got a bunch of young players or guys that have not been in the system very long. So Philip Dorsett, so Jacoby Myers, you got Nikhil Harry that's playing for him. Uh, when, when you're when you don't have the chemistry with guys and you're playing NFL games against good players and good defenses every week, uh, it starts to catch up and it's a direct reflection of uh, on the quarterback. There's two areas where you can look bad as a quarterback and be a hell of a player. If you don't have a good offensive line in front of you, that's going to be a reflection on you. And if you don't have skilled players that aren't in spots that uh, you you would expect them to be in, that's going to be a reflection on you. And I think that's where Tom Brady is now. You look at who led them in receiving, Juliet Edelman and, uh, and James White, two guys that have been in that offense for a while, and Brady just can't carry it by himself with just those two. And the two guys that he trusts on that roster. He doesn't trust those rookies. And it was, yeah. you, you made that point last night during the broadcast. He doesn't trust those guys yet. And that was part of the reason that he came up with the interception. And they miss, they miss Gronk, but that's okay. They're not getting Gronk back. Dre, I asked Mark this a little while ago. 15 minutes after the game up in Indianapolis, I walk up there and I say, Dre, don't worry about it. When we play the Patriots, the Texas defensive backs are going to throw a blanket over the Patriots receivers at times. Don't worry about it. This secondary will be 10 times better than it is in week 13 than it was in week 7. What would you have said to me, and what did you see with those defensive backs last night? <laughs> I might have hit you with a maybe you know, <laughs> after, <laughs> after that game. And then if you'd asked me a couple of weeks when all, when all the injuries started, I'd have said you're crazy because, uh, you know, with, even with, uh, with, with Brady and what he has and you're factoring injuries and guys that are playing some some snaps 
uh, because or with inexperience in the secondary, uh, I would have told you you were crazy at that point. But then they started to get guys back and started to get the secondary healthy. Last night they found a way to manufacture a pass rush. And, you know, we talked about it all through the game and even in the pregame that sometimes it's best not to, to sack Brady but just to get hits on him. Well, they, I think they got three sacks last night and then a, a 12 quarterback hits. That's when you can really disrupt them. You mix all that together with the inexperience at, at wide receiver, and uh, you get what you got last night from their offense. Wow. I mean, that was just a tremendous defensive performance for so much of the night. Obviously, you had the big rally late in the game, but the Texans haven't had enough of a cushion to overcome that. All right, so here we are. We're looking at Deshaun Watson throwing three touchdown passes last night. Dre, they're not running the ball the way they want, but – they moved the ball the way they had to last night against New England. Can you talk about that Houston attack? Well, it's uh, when you lose a right tackle and, and, uh, and Titus Howard, who's an excellent run blocker, and that's usually what that position is kind of designed to be. And, and everybody's kind of right-handed in the running game. You try to be balanced, but that's the running side of an offensive line. You lose that, you're going to struggle. Chris Clark and – and uh, the lights are over there trying to – Roger Johnson trying to to, uh, to move some people off the line of scrimmage. might not be their forte. It is with Titus. And so I think they missed him last night. You can, you can move a real good run stopper from that side to the other side and, and, and hold up with, a, uh, with inexperience over there and not as good a run blocker. And that's what the Patriots were able to do. They're, they're decent against the run. I mean, they're ninth in the NFL – coming in, only giving up 98 yards or so uh, in that department. So it's going to be a tall order anyway, but you remove a starter and it's going to be a struggle to run. Dre, do you have James White on your fantasy team? Last night, James White was trending <laughs> at like 2 in the morning on Twitter, and I was like, why? And then I realized all these fantasy players are like, thank you, James White. Other fantasy <laughs> players are like, screw you, James White. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. But the Texans fought fire with fire with Duke Johnson. And Mark mentioned earlier, and I, and I agree totally, they kind of felt like it was a Duke Johnson kind of game. They weren't able to kind of power it through with Carlos Hyde, so they went to Duke Johnson and kind of gave the Patriots a little bit of their own medicine in throwing the football, especially on the first drive and then finding Duke for the touchdown. Dre, since he's been here, he has been an invaluable member of this offense, but last night it really felt like his impact was felt even more. Yeah, if you play Carlos Hyde in a game like last night, that's exactly you're feeding into what the Patriots and how the Patriots want to play. Uh, defensively. They want to play in the box and they just want to slug it out. Well, when you spread them out and you got some quickness and some speed and receiving ability from the running back spot that Duke Johnson provides you, now you've got a quicker, faster, ball-catching running back against Dante Hightower, who's 260 pounds at 6'3". You've got Kyle Van Noy uh, trying to check him at 6'3", 250 pounds. That's a matchup that I'd take all day because essentially you got a slot on a running on a on a linebacker, and so they did a nice job of game planning that up, using the right personnel at the right time against the, the personnel that the Patriots want to keep in the game. They want to play you in their base defense and leave those guys on the field. Then when you check in a, a, a defensive back, that's when you go back to Carlos Hyde because they can't now now they can't hold up against the run. So it was a nice. Nice, uh, nice usage of, of uh, the personnel in the backfield of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Well, Denver is going to be in here on Sunday, and Drew Locke, who looked good at times in his professional debut, made a big throw late that drew a flag for a pass interference penalty. And I'm going to read you a quote here. 
That was my first time ever really seeing that flag get enforced. Most of the time in college football, that's 15 yards. I was like, wait, the ball's up there. We have a chance to win yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful that, that's, stuff. That, that's, a, that's a penalty for years uh, that I've been, I've been saying in college football that needs to be a spot foul. I mean, you think about it, every penalty that's called is a spot foul, and it's the, the yard is, is either added or subtracted from where the spot of the foul occurs. And pass interference in college is the exception. And I, I think at some point, uh, they really got to sit down and take a look at that and, and, and go from there. So I guess he was pretty shocked that, uh, that that it worked out in his favor. They kick a field goal to win. And Denver's actually been playing some good football lately. Yeah, Denver. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, want, yeah, I don't want this. Yeah, this is a woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of team. Me. Because they've had a lot of late losses, mm-hmm. a lot of teams rallying, and, and strange yeah. plays late to get them wins. And the Colts had that Brissett spin out where he was able to hit T.Y. Hilton downfield, setting up a late field goal win for the Colts, and Denver could have had that game up in Indy. Dre, you this paid is, off your bet yet with Dre? This wait, what, what, what was my bet? Your bet in that game? You said that the the Colts were going to lose. Uh, I still owe him. You paid off the bet, Randolph. I owe him the the usual amount, one dollar. <laughs> I'll pay you back. Just the watch about that. But Denver is not to be taken lightly, Dre. No, not at all. I mean, it's a young football team that you know defensively they've got some parts. They still have some parts that can cause some problems, and then. You know, they're getting enough in the running game to protect a young quarterback, and he seems to be coming around. That is maybe his, arguably his best outing uh, in yesterday's game. So it, it's it's a team that, that uh, hey, they have nothing to lose. They're going to give you everything they have, and, and those are the teams that, that usually cause you some problems. All right, Dre. Uh, I just saw this tweet by Andy Staples. It made me think of you. Heisman voting opens today. And he said, don't vote today, don't vote tomorrow. Wait until after the games get finished Saturday. It's not that difficult. I know that you have a Heisman vote because you won that glorious trophy many years ago. Have you sort of narrowed it down? You have to say who you're voting for. Have you kind of narrowed it down to the guys that you think are maybe your top three? Do you have it set in your mind who you're voting for? How do you feel about your Heisman vote coming up? Uh, I don't have have it figured all out yet, but you know you have kind of narrowed it down to a, a few guys. Uh, Joe Burrow at LSU is playing some outstanding football. Justin Fields and at Ohio State, two teams that you could flip them on any given day. Who's who's number one in the country? And I still like Jonathan Taylor, and and, and there's a couple of other ones in there as well that uh, that you, you factor in. I'm going to let the games play themselves out over the weekend, as you mentioned. Uh, I'm usually one that they're they're sending a messages to. Hey, we haven't gotten your vote yet. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know it. I got I still got a couple of hours before I need to hit send. So um, I, I play with them in that manner, but I, I'll get it in on time. Hey, as a fraternity member, can you just please petition them to make this an after the season thing? It makes total after sense after the bowl season. After the bowl thing, because. When you do that, you have it, it extends the life of the college football season. I think it would be wonderful yeah. to do it later. You know when you do it? The weekend between the championship games and the Super Bowl, you do it right yeah. there. Saturday night, it would be, Heisman Trophy, and, oh. and you take center stage. I thought you meant the college championship yeah. game. I'm like, well, what no, if, no, no, you no. know, VY? Okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that would, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. It, it seems to make sense that the landscape of college football has changed everywhere else i mean now we have a playoff instead of computers deciding uh mm-hmm. who's going to be the national champion and so the landscape has changed everywhere the one thing that hasn't changed is the trust in their belief 
and uh, and they they are some hardcore, uh, old school, whatever it is you want to call them, where they will not, you know, change one iota. They that's their weekend, and and hopefully somebody can get in their ears, and 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 it just makes total sense between uh, the the semifinals and when the national championship is played. You're right. That's the perfect window to do it in. You get all the games played at that point with the exception of the national championship game, and and you just do it then. But maybe they feel like – I think they feel like, hey, this is enough of a body of work that's been out there. Uh, Let's let's get it done. But maybe. Uh, I'll mention it. I'll definitely mention it. That was a blast last night. There's no question with those two. We kept kind of getting on each other's case because we would make comments about various things during the break and – Somebody would say, Brady doesn't look the same. And during the game, I made some comment about putting the nail in the coffin. And I didn't mean to say nail in the coffin, but kind of in the first half coffin, not to allow the, the Patriots to rise up in the first half. That's kind of what I meant, but it didn't come out that way. So they were chiding me for that. Have a blast with Mark and Andre each and every Sunday. Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night, doesn't matter. Sunday afternoon, let's have a blast with those guys calling the games. Also have a blast talking with the general, John McClain, and he will join us next right here in Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of this Texans All Access on a Monday following a win over the New England Patriots. I'm your host, John Harris. It's time for our friend John McClain to join us, and he does that now. So give me your thoughts after seeing what you saw last night at NRG Stadium. I think we might, must have known it was going to be a night to remember when the Texans actually scored a touchdown in the first quarter. Only a third time <laughs> this season coming into the game. Only Washington scored fewer touchdowns than the Texans, fewer points than the Texans in the first quarter. And Bradley Roby's interception put them in position to do it. And then when he had that penalty on the return, I thought, uh oh, maybe they'll get a field goal. And they scored. And then, uh, and to have them down well, like they did, I kept expecting another Patriot comeback like the one in the Super Bowl, in which. Uh, they had Atlanta. Atlanta had them down and lost. And it's a good thing they didn't get that onside kick at the end because, my goodness, Brady was hot at that point. But, you know, I thought I think it's the greatest regular season victory they've ever had, even though it didn't clinch anything. It, to me, the greatest regular season victory was winning in Cincinnati and getting that first AFC South title, but this one because it was the Patriots, the great Patriots defense that had only given up nine touchdowns in 11 games, only four touchdown passes coming into the game and scoring 28, only the second team to score more than 14 on them. I thought it was the greatest performance. These last two helped them regain a lot of the respect they lost by getting obliterated in Baltimore. The Ravens didn't deserve them to do that favor for them, but they sure got it because now Baltimore has the inside track on the AFC championship game. Hey, John, you mentioned the Bradley Roby interception, and Mark and I talked about how the game began, and I'm sure you did interviews. We asked you about it, and we all said, okay, you've got to start a certain way against these guys. You can't go three and out. You can't give up points to them early. You can't make dumb mistakes. You can't give 15-yard penalties and all that kind of stuff. And you did all of that. Yet, after Roby's interception and Duke Johnson's touchdown, you're up 7-3. But it felt like Roby's interception, I I felt sort of a change in the vibe in the building on the sideline. What did you see 
from that point? Did you think that was kind of the fulcrum point, the focal point of when this thing sort of changed that maybe the Texans believed, hey, we can get this done? Yeah, as we had in a chronicle today, uh, our Texas Sports Nation, that was the turning point of the game. It energized the building, kind of silenced a lot of those Patriot fans that showed up. And I'm sure that it gave them a lot of confidence. You know, this it, it it's weird. You know, every year they play at Foxborough. Now they're going to play again next year because they'll be playing first-place schedules. I'm assuming the Texans will win the division, although I think mm. it's going to come down to that last game against the Titans. So they would play the Patriots again. And and those the, the kind of thing you can't get off to a bad start in Gillette Stadium, as the Texans have shown too many times. But uh, this one... Uh, after the, I kept thinking, you know, okay, Lamar Jackson had a bad first quarter, and then look what happened. Brady had a bad first quarter, but he didn't recover from it until the last two series of the game. But uh, the the thing that the offense is loaded with talent. You know, the offense is basically healthy, except for Titus Howard. The defense to lose Brennan Scarlett. Angelo Blackson, Carlos Watkins, that's three contributors from the front seven. And Dylan even Cole. though Gary Con and Dylan, of course, but and and with Gary Conley out, but the DBs were healthier than any time this season. And to get pressure on Brady, to knock him down twelve times, four by DJ Raider, three by Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin is a half sack behind Jadavion Clowney right now, two and a half to three. And, of course, Clowney plays tonight. But these last two games, Martin's doing what he did in Seattle as a rookie last year. He had three sacks in their last five games, and they thought he had what it took to be a good pass rusher because of that speed off the edge. The Texans saw it and made sure he was included in that trade. And right now, Martin is putting a lot of heat on the quarterback. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say D.J. Reader played the best game he's ever played. Seven tackles, which is unheard of for a nose tackle, is being blocked by two guys on every play, and four quarterback knockdowns. I'd love to see the last time a nose tackle knocked down a quarterback four times. You think that puts him in the Pro Bowl, John, on national television last night? Considering it was on national TV, if it doesn't, it's like I wrote today on Texas Sports Nation. If he's not in the Pro Bowl, there should be an investigation. I like that. I mean, it should be. I mean, he was he was tremendous. One time he had Tom Brady by the foot. And last year, maybe he's Tom Brady's kryptonite. He had two sacks against him last year. Mm-hmm. How about that? DJ Reader has been phenomenal. I think he's going to the Pro Bowl. There's no question. John, offensively, to me, the focal point of the game offensively, well, there are, there are probably a few, but when – Watson throws the deep ball to Fuller, and it gets overturned, but they go right back to attacking John Jones in the next play with Kenny Stills, and they get the touchdown. That, to me, kind of signaled that, okay, it's a little different. We landed a punch, but, oh, yeah, it was, it was an illegal punch, seemingly, but, proverbially speaking. But then they went right back to it and landed a bigger one with Kenny Stills in the touchdown. What did you think of the way that the offense was able to move the ball at times, especially through the air, not really through the ground, but through the air against that boogeyman defense? That was a great route by Stills and a perfect pass by Watson. And, you know, it's amazing how great Deshaun Watson's been in prime time. I wrote to David, if they're not in the maximum number of nationally televised games next year, unlike this year, 
then people are missing out because he has 21 touchdown passes, three interceptions, three touchdowns rushing, and one touchdown receiving. It doesn't get much better than that. And so I thought he played a great game. And he was sacked three times, but overall I thought the the uh, pass protection was good. Run blocking got stuffed. You know, they couldn't run. But I feel like they could have thrown the Duke Johnson on just about every play because the Patriots did not have a linebacker who could cover him. And that's why they gave up the third-round pick, which is going to be a compensatory pick that they'll get for Matthew or Kareem Jackson. And that'll go to Cleveland, not their regular third-rounder. And that's exactly why they got Duke Johnson is to make plays like that out of the backfield. And he was open almost every time. They just didn't have anybody who could cover him. And, and I felt like if Watson had wanted to throw him the ball 20 times, he would have caught 15. John McClain joining us on Texans Monday. John, now you have four games to go, and it all starts with the Denver Broncos. But let's move to the division picture here as the Tennessee hey, Titans you're looking have ahead now. No, no, it's okay. I'm supposed to look ahead. I, I, I'm not talking to the coach. I'm talking to the general. Yeah, okay? we can. We're talking to you, John. We can do it. It's a different deal because we're just going over landscape of the AFC South, and the Titans are making a move, John. How good are they? They won five of six since Ryan Tannehill replaced Marcus Mariota. And also, Mike Vrabel, we always wonder, when you consider Derrick Henry's games against the Texans, why are they getting the ball more? Well, they've started giving Henry the ball more. He wears down defenses. He's been playing great. And so they run. They have a great mixture between the run and the pass. Tannehill doesn't have to throw a lot. And his ratings have been good. He hadn't been turned it over. And now, you know, he's playing for a new contract. They still got four games before they have to decide. And if you're a Texans fan, do you want them to commit big bucks to Ryan Tannehill? instead of going after one of these young quarterbacks because there's going to be a lot or another veteran. Well, right now, Tannehill at 30, I believe he is, is playing better at any time in his career, and he's also not turning it over. And they've got a good defense. Harold Landry has a sack in five consecutive games. And the t- I think it's good that Denver pulled that game out with that miraculous ending that's going to get lost in all the great games that mean something. But that kind of gets the Texans' attention. And uh, Vic Fangio's a really good defensive coach. And so I expect the Broncos to play really good defense. And then it's, of course, Tennessee. And they can't be looking ahead to the Titans and that trip up there. Tampa's gotten better, one, two in a row. So what we thought a month ago might be a cakewalk if they could get through Baltimore, Indianapolis, and New England has now turned into – kind of hellish uh, that last four crunch time at the NFL is going to be a lot tougher than we thought a month ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think it's probably tougher for some teams that thought it may have been easier. I mean, the the Bills are playing exceedingly well, and so the Patriots got to deal with them up at Gillette, and they obviously have the Chiefs this weekend. John, one team that I am enamored with right now just because it looks like a hot mess and last <laughs> week Tom Coughlin went to the microphone and something he doesn't do during the year and it was bizarre. It was weird. What do you, what is going on in Jacksonville? It's a mess. They've got Nick Foles on the hook for 2020, I think $15 million. They went to Gardner Minshew yesterday because Foles was not good. 
this is a mess in Jacksonville. How do you think it plays out? Do you think Marone stays? Do you think Coughlin stays? How do you think it plays out in Jacksonville? Falls is 0-4 as a starter. The mess finish is 4-4. And one point he had him within the touchdown yesterday, and they thought they might pull it out, and then they had a turnover. Falls turned the ball over on his first three series, two fumbles and an interception. And people are like, my goodness, why could he only play well in Philadelphia? He's got his Philadelphia quarterbacks coach, so the offensive coordinator there, but he just has not been good. And their offense was not good. And when reporters went into the dressing room, uh, Unique Ngaway and Brandon Linder, the center, were in a heated exchange and had to be separated. So Marone's gone. It's just a question, is Coughlin gone? I think there could be a total house cleaning in Jacksonville, as I believe there will be a total house cleaning in Carolina, Coach and GM. Wow. Wow. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, John, Thursday night, what do you think? A bigger mess. Yeah, that's another mess. I just wanted your quick thoughts on them. They got a lot of controversy going on. They should have beaten Buffalo, and they didn't. Right now, everybody's down on them. Everybody believes Garrett's fired. It's just a matter of who does, who does uh, Jason Garrett get replaced by. And Baylor playing the Oklahoma Sooners coming up Ooh, Saturday. Oh, baby, let's do 11 it again. Ki- 11 a.m. kick. I know East Coast noon, but please, 11 a.m. kick for a conference championship game. But, okay, it is what it is. What do you think? Uh, Oklahoma beat them by three with that great comeback in Waco. I think Oklahoma will win this. And if Utah gets beat by Oregon, then I think Oklahoma's going to get that fourth spot. I would love to see Baylor beat them and have a shot at it. But OU is uh, OU. And uh, I think that uh, the Sooners will win. Wow. I mean, Baylor had a huge lead on them. I mean, they can do they it. Did. They blew it. I know they blew it, but let's go. Come on, Bears. See it's what revenge you time. I mean, all right. Ch- but y'all won't yes, mean to Bears. I wish, I wish they would. I know, I know somebody really wants them to win. That's David Fletcher because Baylor opened <laughs> the season at NRG Stadium with a kickoff classic, and Ole Miss will have a new head coach, so that might energize the Ole Miss fan base. And I know David will be very excited if Baylor were to do that. So we'll know who's in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl on Sunday afternoon. Yep, we're getting all sorts of rumors already, but nothing's final. Yeah, no, nothing is final. But but John, what does it mean to the Baylor community to see Matt Rule turn this thing around as quickly as he has? No, well, it's unbelievable. They have now. Fans are just hoping he doesn't want to go to the NFL. And the one I've told you guys I'm worried about is if Jacksonville keeps Coughlin that Coughlin will come after him uh, to go there and turn it around since we'll coach with Coughlin in New York. But uh, uh, he has done a fantastic job. And I think with P.J. Flake in Minnesota losing, Matt Rule's going to be voted coach of the year no matter what happens against Oklahoma. What Matt Rule has done, unbelievable. He definitely deserves to be coach of the year. Appreciate John McClain, Andre Ware, Mark Vandermeer, all my guys at Sports Radio 610. Ben Gary back in the studio. Mostly you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.